This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. It's so good to see everybody this morning. For those of you who are brand new, my name is Ron. Once in a while, you'll hear Pastor Kevin refer to this old duffer, Pastor Ron. That happens to be me. All right. So, um, hey, welcome. I'm the founding pastor of the church, and this is my favorite church. And I guess I'm a little prejudiced. I realize that, all right? But even if I didn't found this church, if I just came to it, I can tell you it would be my favorite church. And it's not the building, although I love the building. It's all of you who sit in these chairs. And it's the way you interact, not just with each other. I love that. But it's the way that you engage with God. And it's the way that you grow your faith. And it's the way that you, you come and you say, okay, I trust God enough to try this new thing in my life. It's people like Diva. By the way, did Diva kill it this morning? Yes, yes. It's people like Diva who are naturally introverted and shy, and she is, who say, no, if God wants me to do that, I'll stand up on that stage And I'll speak to hundreds of people and be okay at it. And she trusted God enough to try, and she found a new calling in her life. It's for those reasons that I love our church. So this morning, we're going to work on the subject of the new rules for love, sex, and dating. And I'm going to... So Diva said there's a people group that does really well. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But for a moment, I want you to use your imagination with me. Four and a half months ago, 32 teams in the National Football League sat in their war rooms after they had spent weeks and thousands and thousands of hours, and they were all making the same decision, and it was... Who are we going to draft? We have this many picks to improve our team for the coming year. And this week, we're about ready to see whether they chose well. I want you to think about this. Suppose God sat you down and he said to you, I'm going to ask you to make what is more than likely the most important decision of your life. And you've got one chance to draft a member to your team of life. And to a great degree, how you draft will determine how you live. Would that be important? Would that be above and beyond, I like his car. (laughs) She's cute. I love cars. and, And I'm more than okay with people being beautiful. Can you imagine sitting in an NFL draft room 
and they're going over, who are we going to draft? And some yoko in the back goes, I like his car. I think we ought to draft him. He might give me a ride. Now I give you that illustration because when we talk about the new rules for love, sex, and dating, we're actually talking about preparation for marriage. Does everybody get that? And yes, it's A-OK to be single all your life. And for some people, that works great. And as Kevin has, by the way, Kevin has done an awesome job of this series, don't you think? Yes, tremendous job. And as Kevin has taught us, the guy we just sang about was single. Jesus was. The guy who wrote more than half of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, was single. It's okay to be single. It's great to be single. You can go through this life and be everything God wants you to be and be single. So it's not about whether it's okay to be single or married. But if you're ever thinking about marriage, then you probably ought to listen up. So let's talk about this people group. What people group do you think does the best in marriage? So there's a little slip of paper in your program that that allows you to take notes. Just write down on that slip of paper what people group you think does best at marriage. And I know it's a trick question. Just put down the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay? And I'm going to show you right away where we are. The people who are good at life end up to be the people who are actually good at marriage. I know. That's in the back door. But I want you to think about this. How many times people think, if I just got married, it would sort of even out my life. And I would do better at life. So if I got married, I would do better at life. No, no, no. If someone tells you that, I need you. I can't live without you. Run! (laughs) They don't need a wife or a husband. They need a counselor and a lot of time to fix what's wrong. Yeah, we'll get to more of that later. The truth is, work on your life first. And when you get good at life as a single person, you will be good at life as a married person. That makes sense? Now we could all just go home because that's the real lesson right there. Although we're going to give you a little bit more. All right, so here's the myth we started out with. The secret to life is finding the right person. And Kevin very clearly taught us the truth is the secret to life is actually becoming the right person. And we pressed into this, this question, are you the person the person you're looking for is looking for? But there's actually a question that's a little deeper than that, and it, and it is this. Are you becoming the person the person you're looking for is looking for? Now, for all of us who are married, everything I'm going to say this morning will actually make your marriage better. So this is not just for single people or those who are getting ready to date, although we're going to talk about that in the context of dating. The truth is this will be good for your marriage. So are you becoming the person, the person you're married to was looking for? Got it? That's how that works. Because becoming the right person is a giant step 
toward finding the right person. We'll see how that works a little bit later. And the right person finding you because it does take two to do that. And so there's the rest of it. And the right person finding you. Now, King Solomon, who was one of Israel's ancient kings, a king personally chosen by God and a king personally endowed or gifted by God with wisdom, wrote down some observations that he made in life, divinely guided by God, and he put them in a, in a, in a collection of sayings that you can find in the Bible. It's called Proverbs. And so we're going to look at three of those because they actually lay the groundwork for what I want to teach us today. So the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of the fools ends in deception. So what does it mean to give thought? We'll come back to that in a minute. But the point is, it takes more than saying she's cute or I like the car he drives. That's actually not called giving thought. That's called folly. And it ends with you being deceived into thinking you will end up with a great marriage. Because the truth is, so take your eyes off the screen for a minute and just focus here. The truth is, if you date like everybody else, you'll end up married like everybody else. And 50% of them end in divorce. I would think you would want better odds than that. And you can. Before I move on, I want to say something to those of you who are divorced. Okay? I'm not down on you. We are not down on you. You're not loved by God any less. But if I had a prayer for you, my prayer for you would be this. If you get married again, and many of you will... My prayer is that the ending to that story is significantly different from the ending of the story that you had. Fair enough? Yeah, this is all about looking forward. Now Solomon goes on to say, the the prudent see danger and they take refuge. You know, a while ago when I said, if they say, I need you, I can't live without you, what did I say to do? Run, take refuge. That's what I was saying. Take refuge. But the simple, what do they do? Oh, I want to be married to somebody who needs me. That sounds like heaven. Friends, that will be hell. Yes. The simple keep on going and they pay the penalty. And a third one is this. The simple believe anything. But the prudent give thought to their steps. Now what Solomon was really saying is this. Here's what the fool says. I'll worry about that when the time comes. Preparation is not a big deal for the fool. Well, I don't know. When I meet someone and I fall in love with them, we'll stand up in front of a pastor and we'll say, I do. And I guess we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. That's the equivalent to an NFL team saying, I'll find some guy who drives a nice car, we'll draft him, and we'll figure it out from there. Not a good strategy. On the other hand, the wise say, I'll prepare for that before the time comes. And so today, we're going to talk a lot about preparation and how you get yourself prepared in order to be able to experience the life that Jesus came for you to have. And before we can do that, we need to understand what the secret sauce is. And we're going to, sit, we're going to look at it in two um, 
in two sets of couples here. And the first is training versus trying. Training is is an interesting process. If you have any friends, we have a group of 20-somethings in our church, and they train regularly to run marathons and half marathons. Not, Not necessarily to run, but to swim, ride, and run in half marathons and full marathons. And they recognize training is really important. The interesting thing is, oftentimes, without even thinking about it, we stand in front of a pastor or a priest or a justice of the peace, or somebody who has a license to do this thing in Las Vegas, and we say two little words, I do. And then we think, I'll try. I'm going to try really hard. But we haven't actually trained for that. It's not in this sermon series, but I would like to say this to those of you who are thinking about having children. It's beyond my understanding why we would go to the two most important decisions we'll ever make in this life, and that is to get married, and the second one is to have children without reading a single book, going to a single class, doing anything to prepare ourselves for our two most important roles in life. And we think, if I just try, it'll work. So I have a question for you. Some of you in this room are ready to run a 5K right now. You could strap on your shoes, you could go out the door, and you could run 5K, no problem. You know what I know about you? You have been training for something, right? People like me, right? You could come to my memorial service next week (laughs) if I went out the door and tried to run 5K right now, okay? Yeah, unless I had a scooter or something, right? Because I want to show you the value of training. Here's the value of training. Training enables me to accomplish what I cannot do by simply trying, no matter how hard I try. That's what training does. It enables me to do something I could not do, no matter how hard I tried. That's the value of training. And so today we're going to talk about training for marriage and life. If you look on your program, you will see that the title of this message is not marriage prep. What is it? It's life prep. Because remember, what group of people really do well at marriage? The people who do well at life. This is life training. It also happens to double as marriage training. Now, let's talk about this couplet, and that is preparation versus promise. Okay? When you stand before a pastor and you say, I do, that's a promise. Okay? But if you do it without preparation, okay, you might not be able to do what you have promised because Saying I do doesn't make me able to do something I haven't prepared myself to do. Ron White is a comedian. Some of you have heard of him. He got arrested for public drunkenness. And as he talked to the press later about it, he made a most insightful statement. And here it is. I had the right to remain silent, but I didn't have the ability to. You think he regretted that? Yeah. Yeah. You have the right to say I do, 
but it doesn't actually give you the ability to be the person you need to be. As a good friend of mine says, saying I do doesn't make you able, it just makes you accountable. Hmm. Legally accountable. Yeah. So let's look at five things that we could do, and I'll go through them relatively quickly, and they are just preparation for life. And you say, hey, I'm 60. (laughs) Isn't it a little late to prepare for life? No, no. I'm actually 67, and in the last year of my life, I have learned more and grown more in my faith and grown more in my life experience than probably any other year of my life. Okay? No, you're never too late to actually do this prep. So let's talk first of all about confronting or resolving your past. Okay? A lot of us sometimes think, oh my goodness, if I get married, I'm going to have a different marriage than my parents had. I'm going to raise my kids differently than my parents raised me. And if I could interview you 10 years later, you know what you would say to me? I'm becoming my dad. I am my mom. Yeah. Because here's what you and I oftentimes sort of conveniently uh, ignore. And that is, life is a connected experience. All these events are actually connected and related to each other. Here's what I mean by that. Your present, what you do today, tomorrow will be your past. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't remove it from your past. It is part of your past forever. It's like putting a stupid picture of yourself on Twitter. It's now part of you. Can't get rid of it. It's just there. It's there for years. It's there for anybody to see. Your present will inescapably be your past. This is why it's sort of silly for us to think, I'm going to go out and sow my wild oats now. A good pastor friend of mine said, you know what we love to do? We love to sow our wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. (laughs) No, that crop never fails. Because your present will always become your past. And here's the part you need to know. Your past will show up in your future. True. There's only one way for your past not to give shape to your future, and that's and that is for you to deal with it. That is for you to heal from it. That is for you to resolve the issues in it, or you just repeat it. So, lesson Leslie Perot founded on Seattle Pacific University, a center for relational health. And they've been at that 27 years now, and they have collected massive amounts of data from literally thousands and thousands of married couples and dating couples that they have worked with and taught and counseled. And this is their conclusion, and I found it most insightful. If you attempt to build intimacy with a person before you've done the hard work of becoming a whole and healthy person. You know what that means? You actually dealt with your past. Okay? Instead of dragging it into your present, 
Here's what will happen. Every relationship will be an attempt to complete the hole in your heart. Baby, I need you. I can't live without you. Yeah, that's somebody with a giant hole in their heart. And what did I tell you? What did they need? A counselor and some time. Yes. Because this is the truth about life. And this is why it's so important. I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty. You know what I say that for? I don't care if you've been married 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Go confront your past. Get it resolved. Dig into it. Find out the issues that you have. Find out the baggage that you currently carry. And it weights you down everywhere you go. And it affects your marriage. And it affects your kids. And if you're dating, it affects your dating relationship. Deal with that baggage. Heal from that baggage. And then you can step into a relationship without a giant hole in your heart. You know the person you want to marry? is the person that can look you in the eye and say, you know what? I could go through this life without being married and do just fine. I love life. But I choose to go through it with you. Secondly, ladies, Don't dress like a commodity, okay? Or put up with being treated like one. If your look is your hook, you're going to get taken. If your bait is your body, you're going to get a body snatcher. Fair enough? Yeah. I'm all... Ladies, I'm all for you looking beautiful and wonderful and attractive. But there's a big difference between being attractive and being provocative. Okay? Every fisherman knows that your bait determines what you catch, right? Every fisherman knows that. I have women who come into my office and say, I'm just not good at picking out the right guy. I'm terrible when it comes to picking out men. No, you're not terrible when it comes to picking out men. You just have all the wrong bait. And you're attracting the wrong kind of guys. Because our society, and I apologize for our culture. If I could change this about our culture, I would. But our culture consistently teaches women to be a commodity. Oh, by the way, just put a much-desired commodity in front of that. So, it's important to change your bait from your body to your identity. Step into the fullness of who you are. And when a guy looks at you and interacts with you and, and he sees something in you, that is mysteriously wonderful and he's amazed at the person that you have chosen to become. He loves the values you have. He loves the way that you interact with people. He loves the way that you serve people. He loves the way that you engage with God. When you become that kind of a person and that's your identity, the kind of guy that you will attract, 
will be the kind of guy you want to be married to. It's a whole different way to fish. Got it? Okay, guys, here's the one for you. We're missing a we're missing a slide. I'll tell you what it is. Are you ready? You can write it down. Here you go, guys. Stop the porn now. Do you know what the porn is? It's the guy's side of women being a commodity. It takes both for that for that to have any sort of success, and, and it's not actually successful. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because Kevin has spent quite a bit of time on that. And shared with you his story, and he, he did a better job of talking about that than I probably ever could. But I can tell you this. Porn will always teach you and will always train your mind to look at women as a desirable commodity as long as they don't have wrinkles, as long as they don't actually age, and as long as they don't have physical flaws but you will never actually ever in your lifetime get to know a woman. You will be with John Mayer singing Your Body is a Wonderland. Yeah. Stop it now. Why? Because if you don't stop now, you won't have to get married. I can't tell you how many guys have come into my office thinking, Oh my goodness, I thought I had a problem with lust and I thought if I got married, that would go away. Nope. No, it doesn't. Do whatever it takes. Number four, get out of debt. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, get out of debt. I love what, didn't you love what Diva had to say about that? Yes, Monica and I have gone through FPU, and and it changed how we handle our finances. It changed the choices that we make in our finances. And oh, by the way, it changed the pressure we feel from our finances. Yeah. So if you if you get out of debt, or you have a plan and you're working at it, like Gus and Diva are, you will remove a layer of stress from your relationship. I loved what Diva said. It has opened doors for them to do things they never could before. Yes. And I can't tell you enough. I know that Dave Ramsey was like preaching it and really giving it to us this morning during that video. But can I tell you that FPU is about 10% of that motivation. And it's about 90% practical information that will help you set a budget. That will help you determine the proper percentages that you should put toward your house or toward groceries or toward cars. It will teach you how to have a cash system in your home that will keep you from going in debt. It will teach you how to set up an emergency fund so that when the washer and the dryer conk, that you don't have to go out and throw it on a charge card that's already close to its max anyway. Yeah. It's, it, it's, the most practical advice that I've ever seen on the subject of finances. So get out of debt. And then number five is this. Get fully engaged with new life. Now, I know that says new life there, and it could be any church, really. But you happen to be at new life, so that's why I put it there, okay? Now, I want to talk to you for just a minute. 
Do you realize that the church is not my idea? It's not Kevin's idea. The church was God's idea. And he would not have set it up if it was just a bonus in life. He set it up because he knew it would be vital to our success in life. So I'm not going to sit here and preach at you that if you don't go to church, when you stand before God, God's going to say, I showed up, where were you? No, no. God doesn't love you anymore if you come to church. But the truth is, the church is a resource that God paid dearly for. It cost him the death of his one and only son. And he makes that resource available to you. Because it will do something in your life that you cannot do on your own. Remember the thing we learned about training and trying? The things I'm going to show you, the next three things, are all part of training for life. And they will enable you to live better than you've ever lived before if you use them as training. Let's take a look at how you get fully engaged. First of all, be present and engaged every Sunday. I love the fact that you're all engaged this morning. I can tell. You're all listening. Your eyes are all right here. No one's snoozing. You're here. You're present. You're engaged. But I want to give you a fact. Did you know that the average Christian who says, I go to church every Sunday. It's what I do. It's my habit. It's my pattern in life. All the data in the United States of America, and this includes even the Bible Belt where everybody goes to church all the time. Do you know what the average, how many times the average Christian actually makes it to church? 1.9 times per month. And these are people who say they go every Sunday. I plugged that in my handy-dandy calculator, and it said to me that that means that you will make it 23 times in a year. So if church is training, and this was an NFL team, and you came to less than half of the coaches' meetings, how long would you last on the team? No. No. You know why? It isn't because the coach is mad at you or doesn't like you. You cannot function effectively on a team setting if you miss half of the team's meetings. I would suggest to you, if the church is a resource, then be present every Sunday you possibly can and be engaged because you're giving God the opportunity to speak into your life and to advance your training in life. Now, our promise to you as a church is we'll never waste your time. I hope you never come to new life and ever walk out the door and go, well, I knew all that before. We're, we're going to press into areas that you probably haven't thought about before, and we're going to talk about practical solutions in ways that you can put to work in your life, and we will do that every single Sunday because we want new life not to be a religious activity that you go to in order 
in order to feel better, we want new life to be a training resource that actually helps you in life. And I'll show you a verse in a minute that would let you believe that that's exactly why Jesus made the church. Secondly, actively participate in one of our community groups. You might have noticed a few signs around the building talking about community groups. We are launching a big thing on September 23rd. That's that's two weeks from today. Thank you, Doug, for holding up that. There you go. It's the round or square postcard, depending upon how you look at it. Community groups are a great thing. A huge resource because, listen to this, it's very difficult to grow spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically unless you are connected relationally. Did you get that? It's virtually impossible to grow spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically without being connected in a very deep relational way. Community groups are how we get connected relationally. We'll dig into that in a couple of weeks. And then last of all, serve regularly on one of our service teams. You know why this is really important? Because you could do these two and just be a consumer. This is what turns you from a consumer into a contributor. And which group of people do you think thrive better? Consumers or contributors? Contributors. Hands down. Hands down. So I have a closing thought and a couple of, two closing thoughts and a closing scripture. Listen, the better you get at life, the better life gets for you. Does that make sense? Yeah. The better you get at life, the better life gets for you. My prayer for you as a pastor is that you could step into everything that God made you to be. That you get to experience it all. And to the highest level. So the better you get at life, the better life gets for you. And I want to close with this thought from Jesus. I have come in order that you could experience life. Why did Jesus make the church? So that you could experience life. Why did Jesus pay the penalty for your sins? And for those of you that don't have a church background, I'll give you the short story. The the short story of the Bible is that God created you to be his child. But that sin, that stuff that you and I do that we hate and we say we'll never do again and we lie in bed and we're sorry for and we we swear we're not going to do that again, we're going to get up and try harder, all that stuff that damages the people around us and hurts our kids and hurts our husband or wife and and, and causes conflict at church, that, that sin stuff creates all sorts of problems. And I love the story that Justin told this morning, how that the reckless love of God says, I'm going in. I'm not going to stand out here on the shore and throw people who are sinking a rope and hope that they get it. I'm going in. I'm diving in. And I will personally rescue them. And the story of the Bible is that God left heaven, came to earth as Jesus, so that he could rescue us from what we could not rescue ourselves from. And that he gave his life 
as a sacrifice to pay the eternal penalty for our sin. And that's, that's a, I can explain the logic behind that at a different time because it, it would take a while. But the truth is, the reason we have a cross on our stage, where is it? Normally, we have a cross on our stage. I don't know. The, the reason we have a cross on our stage, got it? And we will have second service, all right? Is because it was on a cross that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. And then he gives us the open invitation to come and get in line behind Jesus and to say, Jesus is my rescuer, my redeemer, my savior. And I will follow him for the rest of my life because I know that Jesus came so that I could experience life and actually experience all of it. Life to the full. Let's pray. God, thank you so, so, so much for every person seated here, every person watching online. God, every one of them, you know, and you love, and you care for. I pray for everyone who's gone through a divorce. I know it broke your heart. It broke theirs. And I know that you're ready to engage with them so that they could heal from that. And they can move forward in this life as a whole and healthy person. I pray for every couple who's dating. All the couples in our church that have just gotten engaged, and there's a bunch. I pray as they prepare for their, not just their wedding, but their marriage. I pray that they would draw near to you. And I know that you will help them deal with whatever baggage is there so they don't have to bring it into their marriage on their wedding day, that when they stand in front of the pastor and say, I do, they have a reason to believe that they can because they've prepared. And God, I pray for every person in our audience who's listening to this and thinking, wow, I had no idea being a Christian was that. I thought it was following some religious rules. God, I pray that you would call them in a very special way today. And I pray that they would respond and say, I'm ready. I'm in. I want to follow Jesus because I want to step into everything that life can be. And Lord Jesus, thank you that you that you didn't send a message. You said, I'm going in. Thank you for coming. We bless you, we thank you, and we pray in your name. Everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Uh, we will see you next week. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.